Hello and welcome to Grace Life Rondebosch, a church situated in Cape Town, South Africa. We pray that this teaching will awaken your heart to the reality of Christianity, which is Christ in you, and that this will result in increased fruitfulness in your life. It's an opportunity, like every time we come together, not just to uh, uh, have a great event, so to speak, but to to really fellowship with each other, minister to one another, and encounter God. Because you know, one of the things we, I, I kept saying this weekend was, I mean, we, we always say we're one with the Lord. We've got a living God inside of us, right? Yeah. Amen. Like He's He's alive inside of us, and all this. But it's like. Uh, uh, Yet most Christians live as if it's just a concept. It's something intellectual. It's mental ascent. There's nothing tangible about it. That's why we're on this um, reality of Christianity kind of journey that will probably never end. It, because it's a case of we want to experience Christianity. It's not just a case of knowing something. You know, or, or saying we know God, but experiencing something with that. You know, if God, if, if His Spirit lives in you, then, and, and it's and Romans 8.11, it's the same spirit that, that raised up Jesus from the dead, then surely that's got to mean something. <laughs> and surely when it says, you know, the same spirit gives life to your mortal body, surely that's got to be something tangible. It's not just something mystical or in your mind. And then when you, when you look at uh, Acts, when, you know, after being persecuted, the church get together and they pray, and, you know, the building, the earth, everything shakes, that, that wasn't just a figurative shake, and there was something there. And we often come together without any expectation of four songs, offering, message, home. Yeah, and, and I said it last week, we're not doing that. <laughs> and, and, I, and I'll say it every week if we need to, we're not going there. So if you're looking for that, this is the wrong place. Amen? <laughs> so your church for us is a, is a community. And it's a community which we're gathering, yes, to grow in our relationship with God, to grow in our relationship with each other, but it's also for us to partake in the Spirit together. If you're a Christian, you've got the Spirit. I love how, uh, Atika, you, you're, you're bringing words, and, and you know, you're, you're already uh, stepping out, and, and some people, I, I, I don't know who I was speaking to this weekend on this, but I'm sorry if it was you. Someone said to me something about, like, they want to learn to uh, uh, prophesy and, and all of that, and I was like... Nobody taught Atika anything like that. <laughs> yeah, she's come forward and given words. And, and she's only been you know, saved for, for two and a half months or so. So it's like, you, you just need to show people that they've got the Spirit, that they, they can hear His voice and then step into that. So, you know, if you're not experiencing anything like that, it's not God's fault. Let's stop that one. So, let's, 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 I want to get into testimonies and all sorts, but let's just get into the Word first. <laughs> And then we'll finish off maybe with some testimonies. But like I said, we're on a journey of discovering more of what God intended when with Christianity. And, you know, this is, I think, week 12 now uh, uh, of Grace Life Rondebosch. And, you know, like, it's awesome to see how uh, uh, we've been on this journey. And it's not just been good messages from what I, 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 I'm seeing. It's been community, but it's also been an uh, in, in experience in that we've, we, we've had some Sundays where it's just been something else than what we're used to. And, you know, I trust that, that every single time we come together, it's going to be something like that, something special, something tangible. 
but it, it starts off with your understanding and your revelation. So there always needs to be solid teaching involved to help us, because understanding brings fruitfulness, right? So if there's no understanding, you can't have fruitfulness. So if you're trying, if you think God's far, then the worship's going to be an effort. Then, then you know, getting into the presence of God, you're going to have that mentality. It's just going to be challenging and burdensome. But if, if you've come to an understanding and a revelation that I'm one with Him, He's here. And that I'm not entering in, I've entered in. Then, then it changes the way that you worship. It changes the way that you do everything. And it's not just for the, 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 the Sunday saints. It's for the, the Mondays through Saturday where we're now engaging with the world. And we're living out, you know, life there, Christianity. Reality of Christianity is not just for Sundays. Amen? And I think if we look at it, like we'll all agree, worldwide, there's a large gap between what, what God intended with Christianity when we read the New Testament and with what's actually happening in Christianity. And so we want to bridge that gap and, 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 and start to live. You know, the, the, the early church, the book of Acts, they were a baby church. They made mistakes, and so we don't want to be carbon copies of them. But we want to be like them in a the sense of going all out. But like they, they, when I, I'm challenged when I read the book of Acts because these guys meant what they, they, they believed what they, what they believed, and they were living what they believed, and they didn't hold back, it seems. You know? And the, the, the odds were stacked against them in terms of persecution, in terms of you know, a, a death and, and things like that. But they went for it. And, and there, was, there was healings, and there was manifestations, and there was all sorts, and, and it was uh, uh, kind of what we all desire, but seldom experience, because I think there's a gap between what God intended and, and what we're experiencing, and often that gap is just also just what we believe, what we're expecting. If we do believe these things, it's then got to do with what are we expecting? Where's our expectation? So set your expectation high when we come. And uh, we, at the leaders' gathering we had, um, I said this, and I'll say it here too. It's like, whatever we experience on a Sunday is your fault. <laughs> okay, it's not up to God. He's always on. And it's not just up to me, praise God, or anybody else. It's up to all of us. So, you know, if the, the music's off, if the, the, the wrong key or whatever, like, no one said you have to worship with that. Like, you guys must just go for it and worship. Open up your mouth, stand up, sing a song that, that, that's on your heart in, 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 in harmony with everything. or Just worship God. Thank Him. Like, don't, don't wait to be led. The Spirit's in you and just go for it. And everything be done decently in order, yes, but stop waiting for permission to worship. Stop. Don't be disruptive, obviously, but, but just go for it. Like, if there's a quiet moment... Enjoy the quiet moments if that's what, 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 what we're doing. But if, if, if it's between songs, it doesn't mean that you have to wait for the next song to start. Just go for it. Pour out your heart to God and enjoy Him. Amen? Etienne and I will do that. Uh, Galatians chapter 3, verse 14. Okay, so what did God intend with Christianity? We're getting to get, um, Ephesians now. But it says there in King James, New King James, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Okay? So, this was the promise from the beginning. Okay? This is what God intended. Okay? And that is 
that the, 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 we would receive by faith the Spirit of God. Okay? It's, it's prophesied in throughout the Bible, throughout the, the, the Scriptures, the Old Testament. And we're going to look at two verses in Ezekiel 11, 19 firstly. It says, Then I will give them one heart, and I will put a new spirit within them, and take the stony heart out of their flesh, and give them a heart of flesh. So God's saying, I'm going to give them the spirit, my spirit. Then he says in Ezekiel 36, 26 and 27, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. Okay? Just by implication, if you get a new spirit, what does it mean that you had? An old spirit. Okay? Now you've got a new spirit, which is quite something. There's a new and there's an old. Okay? Th th that's important. It'll, it'll, it'll come up somewhere. In verse 27, I will put my spirit within you. So what did you have? An old spirit. Now what do you have? His spirit. One spirit. His spirit. Okay, we're going to get to that. Okay, so continuing on in Ephesians, chapters 1 through 3, uh, we see that Paul's focusing in on this is who you are. And, and that's been, been an awesome trip. We, we, we're through that now. We're in chapter 4. But it's this is who you are. This is who you have living inside of you. This is what you have in Christ. And then from chapter 4 onwards, he starts to show this is how you can live now. He starts to shape, uh, give an invitation to the abundant life that we can have as Christians. Okay? The word invitation is key too. So when we look at it, Paul's inviting us through uh, chapters 4, 5, and 6 and challenging us to live a life in harmony with our calling to be Christians. Okay? We looked at that a bit last week. But primarily in chapter 4, he's, he's addressing unity. And last week we looked at how uh, uh, God desires for us to, to be in harmony and in unity with each other relationally. Okay, and, and, and we've focused on that a bit. But, you know, many people want to, to move in the power. They want the abilities of the Spirit. They want the gifts of the Spirit. They, they want all of this, but they, but they want the signs, wonders, and miracles, but they're less, con, less concerned with love, less concerned with, with the relationships with the brothers and sisters in Christ. And if your relationship with Jesus isn't leading to healthy relationships with the church, Christians then your relationship with Jesus isn't as good as you think it is. <laughs> if you want to know how good your relationship with Jesus is, look at primarily how the relationships around you are, generally speaking. You'll always have one or two <laughs> challenging relationships. But Christ is revealed in that, in how are you dealing with those relationships. Okay? So, so you've got to ask yourself, like, what is the, 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 the common mark in my relationships with people? If it's just unhealthy, 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 maybe it's from the other person's side, but then how are you responding to that? How are you dealing with that? If that's healthy, then, then maybe you're okay. <laughs> okay. So, in, in uh, dealing with unity, uh, uh, it continues on in chapter 4. We went through, I think, 1, maybe in 2 and 3 or something like that. Now we're going to, to verse 4 of chapter 4, and it says, There is one body... One spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. 
Now I left this out of my notes completely, but when I was studying it, I was enjoying it very much, and maybe we'll get there next week if it's necessary. But when it speaks about Christ's gift, you know, some translations I think botch it up a bit, and they say gifts. But it's talking about one gift, and it's the Spirit. So that is the gift, the promise that we receive from Him, and that opens the door up to everything else that He's got for us. The Spirit. Okay, so, so we've got to see that the, it's according to the measure of Christ's gift of the Spirit that now lives in you. Okay, so you know, Paul is, is saying that disunity is an issue. He's saying that it's, it's unacceptable. Okay, and I'm sure many of us have experienced that, we've seen that in church and stuff like that, but it, 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 it's really a tactic of the enemy as well to derail us from doing what we're supposed to do because now you're focused on he said, she said or whatever, division like that but he especially deals with this in in his letter to the the church of Corinth and maybe one day we'll get there uh, in the near future but he's saying we are all one body in Jesus Christ he's saying we all have one spirit giving us life and we all have the same hope, one hope we all have one Lord He's, this is all pointing to unity. He's saying we, we only have one faith in Christ and his, and his atonement. And we have one baptism into Jesus Christ. This is what we share. He's, he's showing us our oneness with each other. Okay, what did Jesus pray? I think it's John chapter 17. That they would be one. Okay, so he's talking about oneness and a unity that we, we are one in the Spirit. But now we've got to awaken to that reality in order to experience that. Okay? So let's look at a couple of these things together. But firstly, you know, we are one family because we all share one God, one Father. Okay? Then it it says one body. Okay? So we are one body. The Greek for that is soma, which has a variety of application, a wide variety of application. But it's, it's obvious that it's speaking to the body of Christ, first of all. So that's us, the church, the family of God. And it's talking about the unity that we can have with one another. But that word uh, body can also be translated substance or reality. Okay, substance or reality. The Thayer's definition of it is that which casts a shadow as distinguished from the shadow itself. So it's that which casts a shadow. I am the body. And I cast a shadow, but I'm not my shadow. That's my shadow, wherever my shadow is. <laughs> there, not Peter Pan. And then, you know, I am the reality. That is my shadow. I'm glad you enjoyed that. <laughs> so, look at Colossians 2, 16-17, Amplified Classic Version. It says, Therefore, let no one sit in judgment on you in matters of food or drink, or with regard to a feast or new moon or Sabbath, Such things are only a shadow of the things that are to come. And they have only a symbolic value. Okay, So this symbolizes me. This has no value. You switch the lights off and there's no more shadow. You switch the lights on all around me and I don't have a shadow. It doesn't cast a shadow. But I am the body that can project a shadow somewhere if I've got light. Okay? So... It goes on there and it says, But the reality, the substance, the solid fact of what is foreshadowed. I love the fact that the Amplified puts foreshadowed there. 
The body of it belongs to Christ. Or some translations say the reality is Christ. So it's saying, basically, there's no shadows in Christ and there's no shadows in His body, the church. Okay? Shadow is talking about the law. Okay? Uh, what's it? Hebrews 10.1 says that the law was a shadow of the reality that was to come. The good things that were to come. So the law is a shadow. The reality is Jesus. And we're enjoying the reality of this relationship of our Christian faith with Him. Okay? Now Jesus said that He came to fulfill the law, not to abolish it. He came to bring it to completion. Matthew 5.17. Okay? So the, the, the shadows then are completed. The shadows now are finished. The picture of what was to come is now complete. Okay? So that which casts a shadow, the body, is the fulfillment. Okay? And there's a lot in there that I, I, I want to dig into and I'm not going to right now. But it's just to say, you know, there's a lot of things pointing towards, shadows pointing towards, obviously Jesus and what He would do for us. But also the, the church. Because the church didn't exist before Pentecost. It was just a group of believers. Now, we're one with each other because we share this. We've all drunk from the Spirit together. Okay? So then it says one Spirit, ironically, the next one. <laughs> okay, one Spirit. Firstly, we are one Spirit together with one Lord. Okay, this makes it pretty clear that Jesus is God and God is Jesus. Okay? And that there's one Lord and He's expressed in three different personalities we know. Okay, Deuteronomy 6, four says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one, the only Lord. So there's only one Lord. Okay? One Spirit, one Lord, they're, they're, they're one and the same. Secondly, 1 Corinthians 6.17, But he who is joined to the Lord is one Spirit with him. So we've got to keep in mind that we've got one Lord, which makes us one, and we've got one Spirit, which makes us one too. Okay? But then going back to something I said previously, Okay, you don't have two spirits in you. It says that he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit with him. So it's not your spirit and Christ's spirit. There's one spirit. It said the prophecy in Ezekiel was that he would put a new spirit in you. So then there's an old spirit which isn't necessary anymore. You don't have that spirit. You only have Christ. You have God Almighty in you, and that's what we've got to wake up to. The reality that I'm one with Him, even and especially when I don't feel like it. Because we often don't feel like it. Okay? You know, maybe you, you, you don't feel like it now. Maybe you go wake up tomorrow morning, you don't feel like God's close. But you've got to convince yourself in that moment, He's close. He's in me. He's one with me. We're together in this. Okay? When the purple hits the fan, you've got to remind yourself, I'm one with Him. He's here. I've got the solution to this. Whatever happens isn't a big deal. Okay? We've got to remind ourselves of these things and keep them in the forefront of our hearts because what's going to happen? As much as you don't like it, the pawpaw is going to hit the fan <laughs> from time to time. Amen. <laughs> We've both had days like that, actually. <laughs> so then in those moments, you've got to really put things into perspective and go, it's not such a big deal. Amen? So, then it says, one hope of your calling. I like this. You know, if you look up the word calling, it, it means invitation. And a lot of us feel pressure with regards to calling. I want to fulfill my calling. I want to be in my calling. This and that. And we're thinking it's 
doctor, lawyer, teacher, whatever. It's not. It's never been that. You've made it that, but it's not that. But your calling is an invitation. You might be a believer not walking in your calling, and, and that's just because you haven't accepted the invitation. And your calling is really just to be a child of God, to live like Jesus. Okay? So there are not many callings. There's one calling. Okay? I therefore, uh, chapter 4, verse 1, the prisoner of the Lord beseech you to work, uh, walk worthy of the calling. In the Greek it's klesis, with which you were called. Klesis is invitation. So it's this invitation that we've been given from God and we should walk in that. Walk worthy of that. Walk as a son. Walk as a daughter. Live like Jesus. Okay? We have one calling. And then it says we have one Lord. Jesus is our only Lord. And then it says we have one faith. And this is a problem in our language. Um, the, 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 the friend, I don't want to call him guest. The friend that we had around this weekend, ministering to us as leaders uh, from East London, uh, we were talking about it in the car. And um, you know, I was saying, we were talking about the importance of words. And most times it's not semantics as some people think it is. It's really, really important, like how we word things and what we say. So, so for example, with faith, the word faith, you know, what faith are you? I'm Baptist faith. I'm Catholic faith. I'm this faith. That's a lie. That's <laughs> a misuse of the phrase faith. You know, there's only one way to have saving faith, and that's through faith in Christ, whether you're Catholic or whatever you are. It doesn't matter. You know, they're saved Catholics, they're saved Baptists, they're saved Charismatics, they're saved all sorts of denominations, but that's not their faith. Their faith which got them saved was faith in Christ. Okay? So, you know, God didn't set it up so that there would be different segments which focus on different things. And that church group is, their purpose and their focus is, you fill in the blank. And then this one is, you fill in the blank. And this one, I'll throw one or two out for fun. Intercession. And that one is, whatever, uh, um, uh, worship. And this one over here is, deliverance. And this one over here is, prosperity. And this one over here is, whatever. It's like, that's just, that's just there's one church, one body, one calling, one purpose. And we've got to reflect all of it with that one message. Okay? So God set it up so that we, 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 would, we would realize that there's one truth. And I, I know this group claims to, to, to have the truth. We claim to have the truth. Everyone claims to have the truth. And in all of that confusion, all we've got to do is just seek, keep seeking and be humble enough to know we might be wrong. You know, be, believe what you believe and be strong on it, be dogmatic and all that, but be humble enough to be willing to change. When, when all of a sudden, as you're seeking and you're studying things out, you're like, oh, maybe I, you know, I, I, I missed all this. I mean, I remember years back, I had a moment like that. I've had a couple in the last year too, but specifically years back, it was on the, with regard to the Holy Spirit. And I was very strong on, you've got the Holy Spirit, you don't need anything else, just no more. Just like that. And it was kind of like... Uh, all of a sudden I was reading, I think it was in Ephesians, we'll probably get there, and, and wherever it was, I was challenged with the idea, and with the idea from, from Acts chapter 4, that the believers were all full of the Holy Spirit. And there was something happening with the believers who were already tongue talkers and all of this. And I was like, huh, you can experience more. And I remember standing up and going, you know what, I've always said it like this, but now I see it like this. And you know, when I've done that, 
often what happens is I have one or two people come and say, only one or two, never more than two, it's been, that they don't like that. Because they, they kind of, their security was on me knowing everything. <laughs> you know? But, but, but like I've had more people come and say, I really appreciate you saying that. If I was wrong, I wouldn't have said anything. <laughs> and they're like, you know, I wouldn't have wanted to admit being wrong. But it's, it's really a safe place if someone says, you know what, I actually don't really know. <laughs> or I'm changing my mind or whatever. But we must always be seekers of the truth of Christ. So, it says one faith. There's only one way to be saved. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, For by grace you are saved through faith. That of not, not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. And I mean, that's a big one. I don't know why I'm picking on the Catholics, but there are Catholics which believe that. There are Catholics which believe that. You, know, uh, you might think this is funny. I don't know if it was yesterday, this morning, or I think it was early this morning when we woke up and we were all four, Marvin was out making coffee and, and I was sitting in the bed with the boys and... Uh, they were both reading books and then William said something about something or Martin Luther came up in the conversation. And, uh, uh, and then Elliot, the six-year-old, said, that's, that's not the one that's like Mandela. That's the other one. So he even knew the difference between Martin Luther and Martin Luther King Jr., which I was quite impressed with. And uh, so then I said, you know, we started, William opened up one of his encyclopedias to a page which had something about Martin Luther and the Reformation and all that. And I was like, wow, <laughs> you know. So I found a little video just to show them for kids on the Reformation and just an overview of, of all of that. And, um, you know, this was the issue with, 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 the, with the, the Catholic Church, especially back then. I'm not familiar with Catholicism. But back then, this is why Martin Luther pulled away, was because, hey, it's not by your works, it's not by your penance, it's not by you paying for someone to get to heaven, it's by grace through faith. Okay, And let's get back to the truth of God's word and not make up things and put burdens on people. And that really catapulted the church forward in the direction that we are today, so we've got a lot to be thankful for. He still had a whole lot of junk that he brought through with him. Amen. But, you know, we're all at different stages of de-junking. <laughs> That's not a word, but it is now. <laughs> Romans chapter 10, verse 1 to 4. So, the, from that previous verse, we just see, it's not about uh, 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 our works to be saved. So, someone might say, I've got one faith, I'm a Christian. But if you go and ask, how did you become a Christian? That's a good question. I, I, was, I was trying to... Uh, we, we've got, um, she's a minister really, a, a part of us in Paul, in, in Bukwini there. And um, Tuleka was telling me that uh, she, like, she's just been transformed and changed by the ministry over the past couple of years. And she said, she sits with all her friends in Paul and Bukwini and she'll be like, uh, Sir, you guys pretend that you don't know me. This is how she has coffee with her friends. Pretend you don't know me. Are you a Christian? And then they're like, yes, how do you know you're a Christian? And then she says, everybody will take chance to answer and they'll be like, you know, I've, I've been in conversations like this, I was baptized as a child or I was baptized as an adult or I go to church or whatever the case is. And then she's able to minister to them and go, no, 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 you can't be saved like that. Do you know what the Bible says? And then she said, let's turn to whatever. And then she guides them through and some of them get born again. <laughs> they claim to have one faith. 
But it was completely misled. Doesn't matter how sincere someone is, they might be wrong. Yeah, sincerely wrong. So we need to we need to realize that one faith doesn't mean I'm a Christian, you're a Christian, and we tick that box. It means that we've really put our faith in Christ for salvation. And Romans chapter 10 shows us this. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel. For who? Look at this. Is that they may be saved, which means they are not saved. (laughs) I used to think the Jews are saved with us, just because they're Jews. It's not the case. That's what Paul said here. He says, uh, uh, for I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, a passion for God, but not according to knowledge. Now this is applying to salvation but, and Christianity in one faith, but it applies to everything else within Christian, Christianity as well. doesn't matter how zealous you are, if it's not after knowledge, if it's not in accordance with the right knowledge, it's a waste of your energy. So it's like there's people out there in, in, in different religions and there's people inside the church who are wholehearted and passionately going for it with, with like, I'm serving God, I love God, I'm, I'm okay with God. But they don't realize how they're good with God. They think it's because of their effort, their giving, their tithing. They think that they're right with God because they fast every Thursday afternoon or whatever the case is. But they don't realize that they're right with God because of faith in Christ. That's the, the, this, this passage you're going to see points out a specific message which is talking about the according to knowledge that we've got to take. It says, for they being ignorant of God's righteousness. So Israel is ignorant of God's righteousness. And they're seeking to establish their own righteousness, which is not God's righteousness. And they haven't submitted to the righteousness of God. So you've got a whole bunch of people, even in church, who are trying to be right with God, but they're not right with God, because they haven't just accepted the fact that I'm right with God because of faith. They're trying to do something to be accepted by God. Trying to do something to be blessed by God. Trying to do something to experience God. When they don't realize that they've already got that. Okay? For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. So many people don't like that verse. <laughs> because, you know, we, we want laws, we want things that we have to do in order to be accepted with God. We want things that we have to, to hoops that we have to jump through. Because we prefer to be in a circus than a family. So we want to jump through all these hoops to please God and have access to God and be blessed by God, rather than just be like, you know, it's your family, there's the fridge, put your feet up, relax. You've got it. Okay? And this is to everyone who believes. So it's not a case of do's, it's a case of believes. Jump down to verse 9. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So we're not saved by action and effort, we're saved by a heart belief and a mouth confession. Okay, something that that shifts on the inside of us and we change our belief and then all of a sudden there's a a confession, something that comes out and it's an agreement with God. Okay, then verse uh, 11. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. Now, believes on him, believes something specific. It's, It's not just general, anyone who believes in God. 
It's something specific about God in this context. Okay? Because if we, if we look at it, that I like how James puts it. This always upsets someone. Um, <laughs> even the de- demons believe and shudder. <laughs> they believe there's one God and they sh- shake. You know, it's like you, you can, you, you want to be more than a demon, right? <laughs> you don't want to be like a demon and just believe in God. You want to believe the gospel and then receive salvation and be transformed. Okay? You can imagine why that's upset people. Verse 12. For there is no distinguish between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich uh, to all who will call upon Him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. In a car wreck, shouting out, Jesus doesn't cut it. Last minute. Jesus! I'm so glad I got saved at the last second. It doesn't work like that. Because they've got to believe a specific message in order to be saved. Not The demons believe in Jesus. The, the atheist who kicks his toe against the, 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 the cupboard or drops a hammer on it all of a sudden believes in Jesus. They're calling out to Jesus. Amen? It doesn't help them. How then... Shall they call on Him in whom they have not believed? How shall they believe in Him on whom they have not heard? How shall they hear without a preacher? So in context, it's talking about salvation, and it's saying that there's a specific message. And it goes down in verse 15, and it says, that How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. There's a specific message that we have to believe. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. Obeying the gospel means believe the gospel. It's not talking about doing the gospel. It's talking about believing. Then it says, for Isaiah says, who the uh, Lord, who has believed our report. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. In context, word of God is in Bible. In context, it's the gospel. It's the message of Jesus and sa- saving faith. So getting back to Ephesians chapter 4 verse 4. There is one body, one spirit, just as you were called, in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. So let's go to one baptism. Whenever we see the word baptism, we need to be careful not to think of water. Sometimes it talks about water, sometimes it doesn't. In any of the epistles, I have not seen it talk about water. Once. It always talks about baptized into Christ, immersed into Christ. Okay? You might need to go and check that out. But 1 Corinthians, let's go here first. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 2. It says, And we're all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. See, that's not talking about water. It's talking about being baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. Then you've got Mark chapter 10, verse 38, which says, But Jesus said to them, You do not know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? That's obviously not talking about his water baptism. It's talking about the, the suffering that he was going to experience now. It's talking about his death and his resurrection, all of that. So one baptism here is definitely not talking about baptism in water. And I mean, just by logic, I'll point that out in a, in a minute. But Ephesians chapter 4 is talking about unity in the body of Christ. In the body of Christ, there is no unity around baptism. <laughs> you know, some people baptize three times in the name of the Father, the Son, and then the Holy Spirit, and you need to make sure you've taken a deep enough breath. 
<laughs> and then you've got some who are just like in the name of Jesus or the Lord Jesus. And then you've got some who will just sprinklings enough, even though baptized means immersed. And then you've got all these different things. And I was reading about it in, in the different denominations. I should have put that in my notes. It was so interesting to see the, the vast, like all denominations that we would consider Christian. And the, the huge gaps between everybody and what they believe. Okay? So there's no unity or oneness around that. So one baptism is not talking about water and how it's administered or if it's administered or when it's administered or whatever. There's another kind of New Testament baptism that is superior to water. And that's baptism into Christ. And that's what we have to be concerned with. Because a lot of people go through water and they're still dead spiritually. A lot of people go through water and they're still not Christian. A lot of people go through water and they come out as ungodly as they went in. But if you receive immersion into Christ, your whole life has changed even if you didn't realize it. <laughs> okay? So the word baptism means immersed. And it's, 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 when it's talk, spoken about in uh, the, the, the New Testament letters, it's referring to salvation. It's speaking about being immersed by the Holy Spirit into the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 13 says, For by means of the personal agency of the Holy Spirit, we were all, whether Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, baptized, and by baptism united together into one body and made to drink of one Holy Spirit. So this links very nicely with Ephesians 4. Okay, speaking about one uh, body, one baptism, one Holy Spirit that we drink from. Okay, so since Ephesians chapter 4 is talking about one body, one spirit, one baptism, the baptism there is not referring to uh, uh, water, it's referring to the one baptism that of believers by one spirit into one body. Okay, the context of both of these passages is unity in the body of Christ. Corinthians deals with what Ephesians chapter 4 is dealing with. Unity. Okay? And the only unity we have as true believers isn't necessarily water baptism because all of us will agree it's not essential for salvation. If you don't agree with that, you might need to check some things out. But water baptism is not essential for salvation. Immersion into Christ is. Because you can't be saved without being immersed into Christ. It's a supernatural work. The moment you believe, you're immersed into Christ, into His body. Okay? So the context kind of shows us that it's, it's one baptism that's done by one Spirit to the, uh, to the believers, placing them into one body. Okay? What a baptism we, we often see just as an outward expression of an inward reality or as an expression of one's faith or however you want to put it. But... You know, it, again, it doesn't mean someone's truly saved if they get baptized in water. I remember one guy I was discipling a couple of years back. This is funny. It jumps into my head now. I knew that I knew that I knew that this guy was going through the motions because of the girlfriend in church. So she organized for me and him to get connected so I could disciple him. And it was the most awkward, horrible thing ever. I tried my best to connect with this guy. I did my utmost best to draw him in and help him to see something and whatever. And so we went through all the basics and then it gets to water baptism and you know, he's like, yes, he wants to. I was like, you've got to get, get your friends here. And like, you know, whatever. He's like, no, the girlfriend by herself is fine. I like, I knew that this is a problem. You know, it was really funny. And, uh, and even when it came to other things and whatever, you know, he got baptized and 
and he was coming to church, and I could see he's still as dead as a doorknob. And I don't think anything was going on inside of him, even though he shung-died a little bit. I don't think that that was legitimate, it was mimicking. Maybe it was real, maybe it wasn't, but that's just my impression of it. Girlfriend drops him, and he's nowhere to be found. Gone, long gone. You know, years later, I can check him out on Facebook, and he's still long gone, like in a sense of like, nowhere near Jesus. Like, this was just a mental, intellectual exercise because of the physical relationship they were having, and he didn't want to let it go. (laughs) Because there was some kind of connection there. So let me go through the motions so I don't lose it. Anyway, trust that, bless you. So, (laughs) water baptism is not essential. What's essential is faith in, in, in His grace. Okay? We have to believe the gospel, which helps us receive Christ. Receive His Spirit so that we can... You know, and, and in that moment, we're immersed into the body of Christ. So Ephesians chapter 4, verse 6 to 7 says in King, New King James, One God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. I love this. He's speaking to the church. And in the church, it, I'm sure it's the same at Ephesus as it is in this room, as it is in any other gathering of saints. There's a mixed bag of fruits and nuts. We're all different. We're all, we're all at different stages of maturity and growth. You know, as many people as there are in this room, I'm sure that every single one of us is getting something different out of this message. The Holy Spirit is ministering something different to everyone. Okay? And, and yet, this is true for all of us. One God, one Father of us all. If we have one Father, it means that we're one family. And then it says, Who is above all and through all and in you all. So who's living inside of every single one of us? God. We've got to see this. It's not a part of God. The Holy Spirit. His, like now he's missing part of him because part of him is with you. He's, set, he's one. Amen? And if he's one, then it means in his fullness, he's living in you. That's why I'm focusing on this. Because often we'll feel like I'm incomplete, even though Colossians uh, 2 verse 10 says that I'm complete in Christ. But we'll often feel incomplete without water baptism, for example. Or without fasting. Or without, you fill in the blank. And, And yet, the word is showing that faith in Christ takes you to this place of completion. And now all you need to do is wake up to realize who's living in you. In His fullness, He's in you. You're not, you're not incomplete now. You're complete in Christ and He's complete in you. Okay, verse 7. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Now this starts to introduce the rest of the passage which we'll get into next week. Uh, but let's look at the Passion Translation. Here. It says, And He is the perfect Father who leads us all. Pause there. You have a perfect father. Your father on earth may not have been perfect. Well, he wasn't perfect. Okay? Because none of you had me. No, I'm joking. It's a joke. It's a joke. But the point is, it's like we don't have perfect fathers on earth. And I'm like, but we've got to see that our father is perfect. Okay? And it says there that he's the perfect father who leads us all. So you don't need me to lead you in your life. Because you've got the Father who leads you. And wisdom in the counsel of many is wise. Making decisions together is wise. 
Consulting leadership is wise. But you have a perfect father who wants to lead you perfectly in the direction that you should go. And in the things that you should be focusing on and doing. But whenever someone comes to me, I've got these two job offers. Or I've got this opportunity. Or whatever. I'm pretty sure I always have an opinion. (laughs) Always. I mean, we always have opinions. In the sense of, I think this, or I think that. Yeah, perfect father might have a different idea. Very seldom do I actually give my opinion in that moment. More, I'm also like, hey Mike, what do you say? What do you think God's saying to you about this? And if I know the person can handle it, I might throw out, a, maybe pray about this. If I know they can't handle that and that's going to influence them too much, then I'm like, well, maybe you should just pray about it some more and I'll pray for you. You can hear his voice. What do you feel him saying? You know, go spend some more time. But we have a perfect Father who leads us perfectly. And then it says, works through us all and lives in us all. Works through us all. So in a service, even, and on the streets, in Mondays through, through, through Saturdays, including Sundays between services if you go to a morning one, we've got to see that He's in all and He works through all. God wants to live through you wherever you're going because you're immersed into Him. He's immersed. He's now in His fullness living and dwelling in you. And so, you know, uh, 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 let me me share this story. I was with a friend of mine, a pastor friend. We were walking through Cape Gate. And uh, uh, some of you know uh, Pastor Isaac from Zimbabwe. This was... I knew what was coming with this situation. So, <laughs> we're walking and then, you know, WWF, Worldwide, not the, the wrestlers, what's the other one? Worldwide, Sunday, the Panda people. So they have got their little kiosk set up in the middle. I love, I love the nature. Amen? So, so <laughs> they, they, this lady there, and she's smiling and I'm walking. I think Elliot was little and, and uh, William was little and his son was little. So we're walking there together and... Um, and this lady interrupts us, stands in front of us. Good day, sirs. Can I please have a moment of your time? Do you want to save the whales, save the turtles? She went through her little spiel, and he looks at me, and we started laughing. <laughs> and we were like, he's like, okay, you know. Um, and he, he turns to her and he says, uh, you want to save the world, but are you yourself saved? I was like, wow, not 220. That was pretty quick, like, you know. And so now I'm like, you're distracted because of the kids and everything. And I was like, listening to this and you know, we, we started engaging with it. She's like, uh, um, uh, he's like, no, I asked you the question, are you saved? You want to save the world, but are you saved? And she's like, yes, I am a Christian, but that's not my reason for being here. And he laughed and he said, that's always your reason for being here. <laughs> and so he said, let's pretend I'm not a Christian. I want to get saved. What do I do? And she's like, no, um. <laughs> he's like, I'll tell you to come to church with me and I'll introduce you to my pastor. And he laughed. He said, no, 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 that's not, that's not how it works. You know, we were kind of a little bit with her and we realized, you know, she's on a different mission right now. We're not going to get through to her and encourage her in this. So we just blessed each other and we left. And, you know, we moved on. But the point is, is that it would be so much more impactful if all the church, every Christian realized I've got God in me. This is the purpose of the series. I've got God in me, and He wants to work through me wherever I am. So it's not a case of there's this accident, 
And there's this person who's nearly dying. Etienne, can you come quickly? Please do that, by all means. We, we would love to come there quickly, especially Etienne at two in the morning. He's usually awake, <laughs> interceding for the nation. And, you know, we want that. We want that. I, I love it when people call me in a crisis. But, after the crisis, I'm always like, you could have done something there. And, and people need to awaken to that reality of, I can do something. It's not just up to the clergy. <laughs> you know, we are here to equip you to do that. So if you don't feel equipped, keep coming. <laughs> keep growing. But then step out. Okay, a word I had this weekend for us, and, and I'll give it to you, so now you're challenged with it, is it's time for us to step in to deeper intimacy with God. And then it's time for us to step up into what He's got for us. And it's time for us to step out in His purposes. So I want to challenge you with that. Step into this intimacy. That's, that's what, by, by me continuously talking about our intimacy or our oneness with Christ, I'm trying to show you that you have nothing stopping you from having intimacy with Him. Because you're one with Him. There's no hurdles except the hurdles between your ears. <laughs> the hurdles that you think exist. Okay? There's no blockages. Because the same perfect Father is living in us all and He's working through us all. Okay? So this is the big idea in this. Okay? I, I, who was I talking to? I was talking to someone. I think it was Gavin, actually, who was here this weekend. And we were, we were talking um, about our time in New York. Marna and myself and the boys. And I, I explained to him how we were living and what we were doing. And he was like, so did you guys plant a church? What happened? And this and that. And I explained to him what we did. And I explained to him, now that we're gone, it's kind of like there's no one, nothing happening there. And he was like, but, but it sounds like you guys are just living like every believer should live. And I was like, pretty much. <laughs> Reach the neighbors, fellowship, bless, instruct, like just kind of living in this place of, of, of being a believer. And this is God's dream for us, the church, is that we would rise up and live like believers, like Jesus everywhere, so that it's not just up to a few people who feel empowered, but it's up to all of us because we know we are empowered. So the big idea is that we're not ordinary. Okay, And so we, 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 we do not need to live an ordinary life. You don't have to have an ordinary life. You are extraordinary because you're born out of the supernatural. You're born of God. Okay, So don't, don't expect to be like an unbeliever. Don't expect to just be like everybody else. Rise up, step into that deeper intimacy so that there can be that flow. You, 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 there's nothing holding you back except you. Amen. If you're ever in the Cape Town area, we want to invite you to come fellowship with us at one of our life groups or Sunday gatherings. You can find out more about Grace Life Rondebosch via email at info at gracelife.co or check us out on our Facebook page, Grace Life Rondebosch.